Very, very good. Give it up for your pastors here, would you please? Give it up for them. Can I give you that? Thank you. Well, it is a pleasure to be here with you again this morning. My name is Mike Napier, and uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open up to Psalm 51 for just a moment. If you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. Psalm 51, uh, verse 10. And Corey, for time's sake, we're probably going to scratch the video. All righty? Just to communicate with you. Psalm 51, verse 10. And through 13. You find it? Got it? All right. Here's what it says. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and give me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Can we show that up there one more time? Beginning in verse 10. And can we go all the way through each verse? Would you guys look at this again with me? And matter of fact, as those come up, if we can do this, we didn't plan for this. Are we all right? I'd like for you just to read this. Read this out loud with me. Everybody ready? All right, here we go. Create in me, read it out loud. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. That's good right there. That's good. The Bible is full of prayers. It has all sorts of prayers. As a matter of fact, you can take other scripture passages that maybe weren't intended for prayers and turn them into prayers and pray them back to God. But this one is very unique. You just read it. What I'd like to ask you to do is bow with me and let's pray. And then we're going to dive into our, our looking into the book of Acts. But let, let's pray together. Each of us talking to God on our own. When we pray publicly like this, I, I know you probably already know this, but don't allow someone to pray for you. You pray. You do the praying. You talk to God. All right? All right. God, we thank you that you love us. Thank you, God, that your desire is to create within each of us a clean heart and renew a steadfast and right spirit inside of us. So we ask that you do that inside of each of us right now. And God, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit fresh and new, restoring within us the joy of our salvation. Give us a willing spirit that will follow you so that we can in turn teach others your ways so that people that do not know you will begin to follow you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for praying with me. Matt just mentioned this booth right over there. The reason we created these cards is not for you to go, oh wow, that's mine. And that's where I'm going to meet and stick it in my Bible or in my purse or my back pocket or whatever. But these cards were created so that you could take these 
and then give it to someone and say, join me. It, it, like this one right here. It says Peralta's Connection Group. Well, it shows on there where you're going to meet, when you're going to meet, and who the leaders are. Their email, their phone numbers, their shoe size, their weight. No. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. And then on the back, it shows the map of where the house is located so you can get there. But it's not about you so much as it is about you being able to invite people to join you. You see, this isn't just about people from Paragon going to a connection group or a Bible study. It's about people that people from Paragon know that we can invite to a connection group and join us for Bible study. Bible study and getting connected and growing together. Whenever I was uh, not a believer, I was on the Sepulpa Police Department in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, and there was this police officer named Robert. And Robert was a jerk. He was a Christian. And I say jerk tongue-in-cheek. He wasn't really a jerk. He was a great godly man. But to me, as an unbeliever, he was a jerk. Why? Because he was always in my face saying, come to Bible study, come to Sunday school, come, come do this, come do that. It, it's all about church. And I'm like, dude, get out of my face. I don't want any of that. Has anybody ever thought those words? Anybody ever said those words? <laughs> well, because of Robert's love, which is really what it was, because of Robert's love for God and love for me, I ended up going to Sunday school. Ended up going to a connection group. Ended up going to a Bible study. And, and what I saw and what I found there was unconditional acceptance. Wow. People accepted me as I was for who I was. And you know the funny thing is, I didn't want to be accepted by that group. Because I didn't want to be there. Doesn't that sound weird? Or maybe for some of you, it goes, no, it sounds pretty normal to me. I don't even want to be here. I understand that. Because I didn't want to be in church either. That was the last place I wanted to be. But because of this man that was in love with Jesus named Robert, who was a police officer, and this man who accepted me as I was, I ended up in a Sunday school class. And I never will forget, they had this coffee center like we have, but it was those big, humongo, silver, gigantic coffee pots. You guys know the type I'm talking about? And it was out in the hallway, and everybody just went and grabbed the cup and helped. Kind of like this, but different. And I was trying to get a cup for me and for my wife, and I was juggling. And I spilt this coffee on me, hot coffee. And to back up for just a second, I'd been up all night working at the police department. And then I came to this connection group Sunday school class type thing. I spilt this hot coffee on me. And out of my mouth came words that would not honor or glorify God. Can I get a witness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there was a line behind me, waiting, of, and it was actually of guys getting coffee. And there wasn't a woman behind me. It was like three or four guys. 
And they, they heard the words that flew out of my mouth. Here's what they didn't do that stood out to me so strongly. They did not look at me, kick me in the shin and say, you're in the house of God. How dare those words come out of your mouth? They didn't do that. They didn't look at me and go, I'm walking away from this guy. He's a sinner. You know, look, there, hear those words? They didn't do that. They, they didn't look down upon me or snub their noses at me. But here's what they did do. They grabbed some paper towels. They cleaned me up. They cleaned the mess up that I made. And they said, oh, man, that happened to you last week. And talking to somebody else. And, yeah, I know, I'm usually the one that spills the coffee. Now it's Mike's job. You know, they may have been lying about dude spilling the coffee. I don't know, but it made me feel better. You understand what I'm saying? They accepted me as I was. And because of that, them and the Spirit of God led me to be the person I am today, which is still not perfect, I promise. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm learning what it means to be a follower of Christ. Every day I learn more. That's part of the fun journey about being a Christ follower is that you never figure it all out like Pastor Matt and, and, and Pastor Scott was saying. You never figure it all out. That's part of the excitement of the journey. If God was something that we could take apart and put back together perfectly, I don't know that I'd want to follow a God like that because He's no bigger than I am. Connection groups is all about taking someone where they're at and by the Spirit of God, by the power of God, leading them to where they need to be. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of something like that. Unconditional acceptance, taking people where they're at and leading them to where they need to be by the power of God, that's fun. That's fun stuff. Look with me, if you would, in Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. And we're going to break down these, uh, just these couple of verses. We're going to break them down. And we're going to look at some other scriptures that go along with it. Acts chapter 28, verse 30. We're going to, we're going to look at verse 30 and 31. If you're glad to be here, say, I am. Me too. I'm glad to be here with you. Here's what it says about Paul, the, the Apostle Paul and his ministry. Verse 30. Then he, which is Paul, stayed two whole years in his own rented house. And he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with full boldness and without hindrance. See, I find that really cool. How many of you live in a house? Okay, most all of you. We all live in a house. Paul happened to live in a rent house. How many of you are renting right now? Sure. How many of you are trying to buy a house? Yeah. How many of you wish you had your house paid off? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Paul lived in his own rented house. He was renting a place. 
And he lived in this rented house for two years. And I want you to see something right there. He says, and he welcomed all who visited him. He welcomed all who visited him. As connection groups, we're going to have people come into our houses. And right now, I think we have six connection groups. I think that's right, six, seven connection groups. We're going to have people come into those houses. Some are going to be there every time they meet, every two weeks. They're going to be in there. Every other other week, they're going to be in the house. Some are going to come in once and maybe not be there for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, and then come back in again. Paul welcomed them all. There are some people that entered Paul's house who didn't believe. Who didn't believe in Jesus Christ. There are some people that entered Paul's house because you can see it if you read all of chapter 28. You can see that there are some people who would have entered Paul's house that would have debated, as it says, debated strongly about Christ or about creation or about God's love and God's forgiveness. There are going to be some people that will disagree with what the Apostle Paul was teaching about God. And you know what? There's going to be some people that are going to enter our houses and they're going to say, well, I don't believe that. And we're going to say, cool. That's awesome. We're glad that you don't agree with this. And they're going to look at us and scratch their heads and go, well, you're supposed to be mad at me at this point. Oh, no, 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 no. We're glad you're here. We want to hear what you believe and we're going to compare it to Scripture. Because this is what we measure everything by. And that's going to freak some people out. We've had some people in, in our youth, in our, my, my family gets to host a weekly youth Bible study. And we've had some teenagers come in there that believe some weird stuff. And they've espoused their weird stuff. And we go, cool, how does that measure up to Scripture? And they're going, we don't know, what's Scripture? That's awesome. They believe something because it sounded really weird to them and they want to follow it. But then when we bring them down to what God teaches, they go, well, I've never considered that. I've never read that. Fun. That's taking people where they're at and leading them by the Spirit of God, by the power of God, to where they need to be. And that's what Paul did in his own rented house. And I guarantee... Paul's house wasn't perfect every week when people came in. And that was okay because they weren't there to do home inspections. They weren't there to do the white glove mother-in-law test. They weren't there to see if all the laundry was done or all the dishes were done. Because that's not what it's about. It's about people who are in love with Jesus opening their homes up and saying, come learn about Jesus with us. He's so awesome. And that's what we get to do, just like the Apostle Paul did. You don't have to turn there with me, but I want to read this one passage to you. If you you want to, that's fine, if you're good at Bible drills. Ecclesiastes. It's the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. I want you to, like I said, if you're fast enough, go for it. You may beat me because I didn't mark it. Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. Chapter 4, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. 
Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. And here's what it says. It reads, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if one falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Hang on just a second. Now, we could look at this and say, well, that means if you're walking down the road and someone falls and hurts themselves, you need someone to pick you up. But think about the spiritual application here. Can I be the first one in the room to say I, I, I fall spiritually from time to time? No, Pastor Matt beat us at that. Mm. All of us, every last one of us will stumble and fall spiritually at some point. You just will. I feel sorry for the person just like it says in the Bible, I feel sorry for the person that doesn't have someone that's walking with him that can help him up. That's what a connection group does. A connection group makes it where you have built-in people that walk life with you. And as you're walking down the road, if you stumble and fall, then someone from your connection group will and should be there to say, hey, been there, done that, spilt the coffee, let me help you up. Look what else it says. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if somebody overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three stands, strands is not easily or quickly broken. Spiritually, Spiritually, we can become cold. Matter of fact, Jesus said to the disciples, Jesus said to his top 12 disciples, your hearts are so hard. Those were the very people that were walking with Jesus day by day. Jesus looked at them and said, man, your hearts are hard. Our hearts can grow cold. But if you have someone there with you spiritually, they can help your heart get warmed back up again. It says, it, t- it talks about a fight. If, if one person is overpowered by one person, well, two of them can kick their tail, right? Yeah. Well, spiritually, spiritually, if you're trying to walk by yourself spiritually, guess what? You're going to get spiritually beat up. But if you have someone walking with you spiritually that can hold you accountable and say, wait, whoa, what are you doing? What are you thinking? What are you, where are you going? What are you saying? Then the two can stand strong together and tell the spiritual enemy to get out of Dodge. Isn't that cool? You see the power of connection groups, the power of doing life together, the power of not walking alone is awesome. But look what else it says there in Acts chapter 28. Or Acts chapter 28, verse 28. Yeah, 30, right there. He stayed there two, two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him. But what did he do? Verse 31. Proclaiming the kingdom of God 
and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, proclaiming the kingdom of God. You know, when it comes to being a follower of Christ, again, just like Matt and Scott were saying a while ago in the book of Ephesians teaches, we complicate things. When it comes to being a follower of Christ, we complicate things. We make it a whole lot harder to be a follower of Christ than it really is. It's simple. It's, it's not rocket science. If it was rocket science, I couldn't do it. There's no way. Because I'm not smart enough. But proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching the, and the teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what it's about. And it's all right here. We just have to follow the bouncing finger and get into it by ourselves and with our small groups and see what God is about, see what God is doing, see what God wants to do. But you see, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with us. You know, I, I mentioned a while ago we had six or seven connection groups. If we have six connection groups and each of those connection groups created one more, how many connection groups would we have? Say it out loud. Twelve. Well, that's really cool because you've got six times two equals what? All right. Listen to this. So the preaching about God flourished and the number of disciples in Jerusalem multiplied greatly and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, go back to the one word. So the preaching about God flourished and the number of disciples in Jerusalem multiplied. Multiplied. You just helped me take 6 times 2 equals 12. That's multiplication. That's what connection groups are designed to do. Multiply. Multiply disciples and multiply in number. Because we pass on what we have learned. Non, non-believers in Christ or, or maybe even followers of Christ, they get together and they sharpen one another or they become followers of Christ and we're multiplying ourselves all the time. And then we need another house, maybe yours, to meet in so that we can have another connection group. And then that one gets full and we need another one, maybe yours, to meet in. And we make another connection group. And multiplication, it never ceases. It just keeps going and going and going. And that verse was, if you're taking notes, is Acts chapter 6, verse 7. But moving on. Proclaiming the kingdom of God will equal multiplication. It just naturally does. Then the last part of Acts chapter 28, verse 31. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with full boldness. And without hindrance. With full boldness and without hindrance. How can this happen? How can the full boldness and without hindrance, how can that be brought to pass when it comes to proclaiming the kingdom of God? Well, I I think Jesus modeled that for us. Well, I know he did. You see, in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, it says that Jesus cried. 
Hang on just a second. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Here's what it says. As Jesus approached Jerusalem, He wept over it, saying, If you knew this day what would bring peace, but now is hidden from your eyes. And it goes on. But my point is, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, He cried. Why? Well, He cried because... They were being rebellious. They weren't following Him. They weren't being followers the way they knew to be. They were scattered. They were confused. They were not unified. They were not walking in a way that would bring honor to the Father. But here's what I think is really cool. Jesus wept over Jerusalem at that point because He had such and He cared so much for it. But then in Matthew chapter 28, I'm sorry, in Acts, in Acts chapter 1, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says to His followers, He says, go, when you receive power of the Holy Spirit, go be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The very place that Jesus shed tears over, the very place that Jesus wept over when He saw it, is one of the places that he said, go. Because I love them so much, go. How many of you think if Jesus stood up on a hill and looked over Rio Rancho that he would shed tears over it? Who thinks that? Who thinks that Jesus would shed, shed tears over Rio Rancho? I do too. And Bernalillo. And Albuquerque. And Cuba. And the list goes on. Why would Jesus shed tears over it? Because of the compassion for the souls of the people that are there. I wonder when the last time was that you and I had such compassion on souls that we shed tears. That we actually cried because of the lostness, because of the disparity. Because of the confusion in people's lives. When was the last time that we saw souls the way Jesus did? Well, in order for us to present the kingdom of God in our homes like Paul did, without hindrance, hindrance and with complete boldness, is for us to have compassion. The same compassion that Jesus had. The same compassion that brings tears. But you see, those same tears can be turned into tears of joy when we reach out and we begin to see lives transformed one on one in our homes, in a Starbucks, over coffee at our workplace, at our school, when we begin, when you and I begin to say, God, would you proclaim the kingdom of God through me without hindrance and with complete boldness?
just like Paul did. Are you willing? Are you willing to do what? Well, are you willing to be a part of a connection group? That's one. Are you willing to be part of a connection group? Are you willing to go to somebody else's house, open up the Word of God, make yourself vulnerable, doing life together and growing together? Maybe you won't be the one that stumbles and falls. Maybe it'll be someone else and you'll be helping them up. Maybe you'll be that will warm someone else up spiritually. Maybe that'll be you. Or maybe it won't be. Maybe you'll need the help. Are you willing? Are you willing to be a part of a connection group? Well, secondly, are you willing to open your house up? Yeah, you see, right now, we're good with connection groups and connection classes. But prayerfully, as you and I take these cards that are over there and hand them out to people and say, come join me at this house on this Sunday, we're going to need to multiply Are you willing to open your house up? Are you willing to open up your house and say, come join me as we fulfill that Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 through 12 passage of walking with one another? Are you willing? But the third are you willing is this. Are you willing for God to break you over the lostness of Rio Rancho? Or would you rather just keep your shield up and say, nah, not going to go there. I'm fine being blinders on, my spiritual shield up, because I can take care of me and I don't care about anybody else. Are you willing to be broken? Are you willing to cry? Are you willing to weep? Are you willing to say to God, God, would you let me see lostness the way you see it so that I would even be so broken over to shed tears like Jesus did? Would you pray that type of prayer to God today? Would you? Are you willing? Are you willing? The fourth and last, are you willing? If you're not a follower of Christ today, if you've never come to a place where you've asked Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you the wrong things that you've done, to be the boss of your life, in other words, To go, God, today I become a follower of yours and I'm going to follow you without shame and without fear the rest of my life. Are you willing? If you've never become a follower of Christ, you've never followed him before, you've you've never said, I'm sold out, I'm going to follow you, period. I've sinned, I need forgiveness, I turn away from my sins, I'm going to follow you. Are you willing today? Are you willing? Are you willing? 